Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONECURCITYCAST20. Today on the show, we are remembering Portland icon Walter Cole and his alter ego, Darcel15. The legendary drag queen passed away of natural causes last Thursday at 92 years old. CityCast Portland is happy to share Walter's story from his upbringing in Linton, Oregon, to his transformation into Rose City's grandest dame. And if you've never heard of Walter or Darcel 15, you're in for a ride. It's Tuesday, March 28th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. This piece originally aired on the BBC program Outlook. Thanks to them for letting us share a version of their broadcast. Do you remember the first time you did it, the reaction you got? Well, yeah. <laughs> Gasping and then uh, applause and then laughing and then silence. <laughs> As they process, what did we just see? <laughs> what the audience had just seen all those many years ago was Walter Cole. Debuting one of his best-known numbers, he performs as the legendary drag queen, Darcel 15, a routine cheekily nicknamed the Rhinestone Cowboy. I do it every show, well, ever since the song came out, practically. And I do it in chaps, cowboy hat, you know, the whole cowboy outfit, but they're, of course they're not out on the range. And I cut the butt out of them, so I got a bare ass. Now I'm I'm telling <laughs> I'm telling the audience during the number. You folks know what kind of balls it takes a 91-year-old man to show his ass off. You know the kind of balls it takes to be 91 years old and show your butt to the world. <laughs> you heard that right. Walter Cole is 91 years old, and you can still see him headlining four times a week at his namesake club, Darcel 15 Showplace. I'm very happy and very proud of being the oldest performing drag queen in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, Walter presents That's No Lady, That's Darcel 15 and Company. Which makes Walter the Guinness World Record holder for oldest performing drag queen, as well as a co-founder of the longest-running drag review in the Western United States. People have made documentaries, plays, musicals about Walter's life. He's done one-man shows. And just last year, his club was given an even bigger honor. Darcel 15 Showplace is officially on the National Register of Historic Places as the oldest drag queen cabaret in the USA. Folks gathered to see the unveiling of a plaque honoring the 91-year-old pioneer in the LGBTQ community that will now stand tall in front of the showplace that has been around since 1969. Darcel's story might have started in 1969, 
but Walter Cole the man had lived almost an entire lifetime by then. It was a series of transformations that led him to try his hand at drag performance. I grew up in Linton, Oregon, about nine miles from Portland City. It's a mill town. We had three big sawmills. They worked 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, it was a real little town. And it, it felt good for me to be in a small town. But I also was called sissy. The word gay never entered the picture then. Mm -hmm. Gay in those days meant you were having a happy time. You know, so that was kind of hard. Adding to Walter's rocky childhood was his mother dying when he was only 10 years old. His father fell into a deep depression, began drinking, and became abusive. But my father's sister came and lived with us, and so she was my guiding light, my, you know, angel. After high school, Walter joined the United States Army during the Korean War, where he was stationed in Italy. When he returned, he married his high school sweetheart, Jean, and they had two children, Meredy and Walter Jr. But I also had four other businesses that I started in Portland. Portland's first coffee house. I had the first espresso machine north of San Francisco. He also ran an after-hours jazz club that attracted jazz luminaries such as Cal Jader and Buddy Rich. Where we just served breakfast and an ice cream parlor and a floral shop. Then I bought the tavern. This tavern, which at the time was called Demas, also went through its own series of transformations under Walter's ownership. Before all the glitter and its historic site plaque, Darcel 15 Showplace was kind of just a dive bar located in the seediest part of downtown Portland. I remember when we started, all of my gay friends wouldn't come across Burnside to support us because we were in Skid Row and it was they were afraid of their cars being damaged or something. Anyway, I hired a Papa Scott lesbian bartender, well-known in Portland, Oregon, and the lesbians helped me stay alive for three years by just being my customers. His bar was barely making it, but Walter was enjoying the nightlife and taking part in the gay community, even if it was just as a married, closeted gay man serving beer to lesbians. But then one night, he met a man by the name of Roxy Newhart. Could you tell me a little bit about Roxy? I can tell you a lot about Roxy. <laughs> we were together almost 50 years. Roxy was an entertainer and a dancer, and he worked in Vegas, and he and his a dancing partner, he did the adagio with her, came to Portland to work at the Hoyt Hotel. They had a big review show. I met him at another bar, not a church, you know, but another <laughs> bar. I had never seen him before, and I walked up to him, and I put my hand on his knee, and I said, you know, I'm Walter Cole, and I've got a bar down the street. Come and visit us. What do you do for a living? He said, I'm a dancer at the Hoyt Hotel. I said, okay, I'll be there tomorrow night. What time's the show? 8.30. I said, I'll be there. Well, everybody tells you, you know, they're going to be at your show. But I was there. And we went for coffee, and I drove him home. And that was the extent of their courtship. Walter grabbing a coffee with Roxy after a show, talking for hours, and then at the end of it, driving Roxy to his house while he went back home to Jean and the kids. Well, this went on for about four or five months. And he thought, what is going on? You know, he couldn't figure out why we hadn't been messing around. So finally, one night, I got some champagne with a screw top 
and hors d'oeuvres. I had Ritz crackers with cheese whiz on the top of it. And after his show, we were closed. And so I invited him over for champagne, and we got together. I was still living at home. The big decision was to move out. The relationship with his family became strained for a time. But Walter knew the only way forward was to be honest about who he really was and give his family space to decide how they wanted to proceed. I didn't want to lie anymore or cheat anymore. So I had to put it out, out on the table. But I didn't tell Gene that I was gay because of him. I didn't want to ever say to him, look what I've done for you. I gave up family and, you know, no, no. I did it for myself. I, I took the step for myself. That step led towards a new chapter in not only Walter's life, but his taverns. You see, Roxy's background in dance and entertainment would help them both grow into something a bit more fabulous. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, the birth of Darcel 15. As Walter remembers it, even though he loved his bar and his lesbian clientele, the ambiance could be a bit on the rough and tumble side. If they saw one of the girls talking to someone else, there was a problem. It was, was going to be a fight. So I had to take all of the glass pitchers and get plastic ones. All of the ashtrays, I used tuna fish cans because they didn't make a mark when they thrown across the room. Our lady friends weren't like they are now that, you know, mingle and, and go anywhere they want to go now. Like gay men couldn't go anywhere, and neither could the ladies. And they were a little angry. <laughs> As an attempt to keep the peace, Walter suggested that maybe Roxy provide a little distraction. And it was just like, well, okay, let's do a show. We started on a four by eight banquet table for a stage and home stereo and with no lighting, so we had a slide projector. You don't even know what that is, but there's a slide projector on the top of our popcorn machine in the front of the room, and we were in the back of the room, and we didn't have anybody running it, so we asked our customers to aim it at us. That's all you gotta do is aim it at us, but don't tip it, because you tip it, the light burns out. Once their ad hoc stage was built, Walter sent out Roxy to entertain his rowdy patrons. The very first show, I remember, he did one of his numbers, and he did it out of drag and tap dance for him and carried on, and then it was one clap. That was it. What you're saying is essentially you decided to put on a show to calm the lesbians? <laughs> no, <laughs> to calm the whole atmosphere. <laughs> that I don't think anybody can calm a lesbian. <laughs> It didn't take long for Roxy and Walter to figure out what kind of show their audiences were more interested in seeing. They wanted to see drags or female impersonators. And so he put a face on and, and I started making costumes. Because at that time, we couldn't go to Macy's or any of those stores and walk in the ladies' department and try on their clothes. No, 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 no. There was a no-no, you know. And you didn't walk around in drag either on the streets. So I started making them because we needed something to wear. Since then, Walter estimates he's made something close to 1,500 costumes by hand. The shows at the bar were becoming more elaborate, 
and Walter soon started joining Roxy on that rickety little banquet table. But none of them had ever really done drag performance before. Roxy was a professional dancer, and Walter till that point was just a businessman. So they called on someone with a bit more experience. Well, a drag queen friend of mine, Tina Sandell, who was doing shows around, joined us. The rest is history. We just kept going on and on and on, and, and it was popular. And a writer from Willamette Week, a little free paper in Portland, wrote a story about the best-kept secret in Portland about our show, and the doors opened and the community came in. The drag shows brought all types to the tavern. It was even becoming an unexpected destination for straight couples' date nights. When the doors opened to the public, women would literally drag their husbands in and or their boyfriends in to see the show, drag them in. And by the time the show was half over or the end, they're applauding and laughing like everybody else. Roxy and Tina had experience performing for crowds, but Walter had to learn everything on his feet and while wearing heels. When a heckler started up or the slide projector bowl burned out or the record they were lip syncing to began skipping, he would instinctively start working the crowd, making jokes, keeping the energy going. Little by little, Walter's quick-witted and sassier alter ego, Darcel 15, began taking shape. And Roxy and I, Tina, one afternoon, sat down and had a couple of beers. And Roxy said, if we're going to continue this, you have to have a name. I didn't have a name then. I was called uh, Madame Demas because that was the name of our tavern when I bought it. He said, Alice or Mary won't work. You've got to have a French name. So Roxy worked in Vegas with Denise Darcel, a movie star at the time in the 50s and 60s. He said, how about Darcel? And we added an L. And it took. And the 15 comes with a bit of Portland history. You see, in the 1950s, a group of friends formed the Imperial Sovereign Rose Court, holding elaborate balls and pageants for drag queens. That yearly gathering has grown into the country's oldest LGBTQ plus organization. And they do a lot of charity work, especially during the AIDS crises. A lot of charity work. In 1973, the court crowned Darcel as its 15th Empress. In honor of that event, Walter renamed himself and his tavern, Darcel 15. Portland has embraced Walter and his venue in ways that seem almost impossible when looking back at the discrimination the LGBTQ community has endured. Oregon is now considered pretty liberal, but because of how easy it is to get voter initiatives on the ballot, it's been frequently used by conservative groups as a battleground for controversial laws. So historically, it's had the most anti-gay measures in the country go to vote, even more than Texas or Florida. And yet, Darcel crossed over to mainstream Portland, becoming a kind of unofficial mascot, hosting charity events, riding on featured floats and parades and hobnobbing with mayors. The city even named a day after her, which was declared on November 16th, 2021. Whereas Darcel's rhinestone cowboy knows no equal in the entertainment world. Now, therefore, I, Charlie Hales, mayor of the city of Portland, Oregon, do hereby proclaim Darcel Day and encourage everyone to pay when I asked Walter what he thought was the key to Darcel's success in gaining so much acceptance, he said this. 
Here's the thing that I did as an entertainer, and most of my coworkers did the same thing, is if I'm invited to a charity function, I went. So this got me into the community and the people that would never probably come to see the show. Were you ever given the key to the city? Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a piece of wood. <laughs> yes, I do have the keys to the city. Does it open anything? No, I didn't. I didn't see it lock that large. No, <laughs> and it meant a lot. Another accomplishment in Walter's life is his family. When he came out to Jean after 18 years of marriage, at first things were understandably rough, but both were able to work out a new normal that helped repair broken bonds. They never divorced. Yeah, we are we are very, very close. Yeah, I have uh, a daughter and my son has worked at the bar for 30-some years. And now I have two grandchildren and two great-grandchildren and husbands to go with. And we do things together and we've traveled together. And Roxy was included in everything we did. An extension of that family also includes his crew at the club. He has employees that have been with him since nearly the very beginning. And when you walk into Darcell's, one of the first things you'll notice is that the walls are decorated from top to bottom with pictures, hundreds and hundreds of pictures. Memories of all the girls who've worked the stage, friends, family, celebrities, pictures of Roxy and Walter at various drag balls, and through them, you can begin piecing together the history of not just Walter's life or the club's various incarnations. You can also make out the wider panorama of a strong and vibrant gay community. It's a palpable feeling, the feeling of belonging somewhere, a home for those that maybe weren't fully embraced by their own families. You know, we all have that favorite aunt or grandparent or maternal figure that makes you feel comfortable and makes you realize that you can be yourself and do whatever you want to do. And that's what Darcel is to the world. Literally, people come in and they've never met Darcel, and they just leave feeling like they have a new best friend, somebody that saw them and somebody that felt their pain and struggle, whatever they're going through, or somebody that just probably didn't fit in. That's Kevin Cook. A.K.A. Poison Waters. I'm the co-host at Darcel 15 and Company. Kevin has performed at Darcell's since the early 90s. He and other longtime crew members all echoed the same sentiment about the special connection Darcell has had with their audiences over the years. He's even had people come in the audience that have let him know he has saved their life because of just who he is and the inspiration that he gives to everyone. That's Dave. He's worked front of house at Darcell's for the last 15 years. And I also drive Darcel around when she needs. He, along with Michael, who does security, were both telling me that it wasn't just locals visiting. People are coming in from all over the world. Yeah, we've had some people from Hong Kong. We had people last Australia, night from Japan. New Zealand, Norway, Finland, Sweden. We've had people from Dubai. Yeah. And Darcel's comment is always, hola. <laughs> it's true. Darcel's inspires and welcomes everyone as family. But the main reason people make the pilgrimage or keep coming back year after year, some week after week, is that ultimately, it's just a really fun experience. Everything about a night at Darcel 
is just about joy. That's Jeff Card. He and his husband, Tim, are regulars at the club. This is probably our 20th show in 15, 15 years. years. You know, 15 years ago, it was not unusual for her to get heckled by the straight boyfriends of women who were here. She was really sharp in to be able to put them in a place, but also kind of help them along to accepting gay people. She's just complete joy. That is, that's why, that's the secret to her longevity. You might have noticed people tend to call Walter Darcel, and it's a thing that's happened over the years and something that he has welcomed. Because even though Walter still very much identifies as a man, he also sees Darcel as a part of who he is. Look, it takes a lot of nerve, a lot of work, and a lot of money to be Darcel, so just call me Darcel. For the past few years, Darcel has been closing out every show by singing along to one of her and Roxy's favorite songs. His co-host, Kevin Cook, explained the significance. The night that Roxy died, we had a show because that's what we do, and several of us were at another event. We said, well, we're leaving that event. He said, where's Darcel? I said, oh, she's here. She's going to do the show. We're like, oh, part of me was stunned, and part of me was, well, of course she is, because that's what Darcel would do. Because I'm not going to sit here alone when my friends are all there, and the audiences I love, and, and I d- told every, do not tell anybody. Yeah that I didn't want the audience to go down or, you know, it's not fair to them. And trust me, it's the best thing I ever thought of doing because I I was able to live through it that night and the nights following. And we didn't know she was going to sing The Rose at the end, and she did, and then we didn't know she was going to say Goodnight, Roxy, and everybody just lost it. And it's still that just one line. You know, I... I was with him when he died and told him good night, so I do every time. Roxy Newhart passed away on October 21st, 2017. Kevin says Darcel singing that song for him every night she performs keeps Roxy with them. Roxy built the show with yeah. Darcel, yeah. so we, it keeps Roxy there. Every night Roxy's there, you know. Like you, to ask questions, it helps keep Roxy's memory alive and mm-hmm. good to talk about him because in, in introducing him to people that didn't know who he was because he deserves that. In the most recent shows, when Darcel performs Rhinestone Cowboy, She's now using a walker to support herself. The walker is, of course, fabulously bedazzled and in full costume, but it makes one wonder how much longer Walter will want to continue showing his bare bum to the world. Is it safe to say that Darcel will be playing for as long as Darcel is, is able, is, is walking? Is... I don't think able, I think good until I'm dead. <laughs> I may end up not being able, but I'll still be... Faded somehow. <laughs> we just roll her out there because we need that time downstairs to change clothes. So we just roll her out there. Roll her out. Do what she do. Whatever. I always tell people it'll be a full full house, and then there'll be a little pile of 
dust on the floor. <laughs> Ashes. <laughs> And now for your microdose of news. As an attempt to revive downtown commerce, the city has ordered employees back to in-person work for at least 20 hours a week starting next week. During the pandemic, nearly 3,000 city workers went remote, a shift Mayor Ted Wheeler is now trying to reverse. But nearly 300 workers have gotten an exception to work remotely full-time, and many city employees who are being forced to return are not happy, claiming it's not their responsibility to revitalize downtown. Plus, the best place in the world to play pinball is in Hillsborough, according to some of the game's biggest fans. Hillsborough Next Level Pinball Shop and Museum took the award this past weekend at the annual TWIPI, that's T-W-I-P-I, Pinball Awards in Frisco, Texas. Next Level has 238 pinball games, as well as the world's largest collection of lunchboxes. That's pretty adorable. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs>